G'day listeners and welcome to the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars. We only talk about the lesser knowns and ones that are going to bring value to your draft Keeper Leagues. Uh, my name's Hef and I'm joined by Kays. How are you? Very well, Hef. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Now, we've got a special reason for this uh, podcast and we have uh, noticed that AFL Fantasy, the platform, is bringing in Keeper Leagues to their uh, system this year. So, we wanted to make sure that if there's any new players out there that are new to Keeper Leagues, they've got like a Keeper League 101 episode mm-hmm. so they know what they're all about and then get some, uh, some strategies, some hints, some tips on how to play them. So, I guess this is for people that don't really know what a Keeper League is or for anyone who's starting their first Keeper League this year, this podcast is going to be for you. So, Case, got a few mm. questions written down on the dock here. Yeah. Why don't you read them out and I'll answer them. Rightio, Hef. You are the oracle of all things Keeper League. So, the first question, what actually is a Keeper League? All right. So, a Keeper League, which is sometimes known as a uh, dynasty league as well, is a draft-style league where instead of drafting a new team every year, you keep players from year to year. Mm-hmm. So at the end of each season, you select which players you want to keep on your team, which players you wanted to list, and then top up your team with a draft of uh, unlisted players. So the big question is, why should I start a Keeper League? Well, I guess if you're a fantasy diehard or like the idea of list management, um, Keeper League's for you, really. You can basically emulate how AFL teams run when it comes to, I guess, signing, drafting, trading players, all that sort of stuff. Um, Like the draft format, your team is completely unique to others in your league, but the big difference is you have to dig a lot deeper in terms of researching and tracking players. Um, Most Keeper Leagues play squads of 30 and 40 players each. if you pl- have 10 teams in your league, that could be 400 players already assigned to teams. So that's over half the uh, players in the competition um, listed in the AFL. So it goes a lot deeper than normal draft leagues. And uh, yeah, you have to do a lot more research. So it's definitely for the fantasy diehards and the people that want to go a lot deeper than your top players in the competition. So how does your thinking differ from other formats when competing in a keeper league, especially confirmed to classic or even draft? Yeah, for sure. Um, So when drafting your keeper league, you've just got to keep the future in mind. So if you draft players that are over the age of 30, they may retire in the next few years, leaving you with a huge hole in your side. Mm -hmm. So this means drafting younger players or players more so in the prime of their career is more essential than just drafting the best fantasy scorer. So in draft, you're basically just taking the guy that you think is going to score the best for that season. Mm -hmm. In keeper leagues, you've got to think about the next five, six, seven, maybe even 10 seasons going forward. So young players like Sam Walsh, Matt Rowell, Caleb Sarong, they just become more valuable. They don't become the best players, but they become more valuable um, when than they would in normal draft leagues, I guess. You also need to keep an eye on uh, the fantasy potentials of all the draftees, so the first year players, as they're the ones you're going to be picking up mainly in drafts, or it depends how many you keep in each league. Um, and then you know, you'll know you be looking at them at least in, in the, how they're going to score in the future, so whether you pick them up in your side or not. So you also need to be thinking about how likely a player is to hold their position as well. With the position changes from year to year, there's a classic case of many teams this year that we've um, a lot of us have got forwards that are now midfielder only mm-hmm. uh, or they move to defenders and things like that and that's leaving some holes in our sides. So, Kaze, you got anything to add on that? Yeah, I suppose a lot of regular drafters will be aware but I suppose in keeper leagues, it's even more important uh, not to get sucked into some of the, uh, I suppose, salary cap hype that's around some players because obviously in the, the salary cap format, um, you want guys who are coming in and just scoring and bumping up your, your, your team's value. But um, 
in a keeper league, you actually just want guys who are going to be there for the long haul and who actually be scoring more regularly over a long period of time. So, for example, uh, looking at last year, you know, Brandon Stasevich was one who was, um, you know, a bit of a hype player just because he was going to be playing, you know, priced cheaply. But realistically, someone in a keeper league uh, like a Levi Casbolt, who is definitely not a sexy name, but he's actually more valuable because he um, will play more regularly, score more points. And there's no price issues at all. So um, you just got to make sure that you're dissecting all the information that's out there in this fantastic AFL community um, and just kind of picking the guys who you think are actually going to be a good fantasy player for a long period of time. Correct. Uh, So what are some basic tips for starting a keeper league? Well, the biggest one, I think, and there might be some conjecture over what's most important, but I think the most important thing is instating an organised, trustworthy and reliable commissioner. Hef, you are our commissioner. Is this what is this what it's all about? You think that you're organised, trustworthy and reliable? I'm not the commissioner anymore, Case. Yeah, you because you got overthrown because <laughs> you're bringing in all these rules that we didn't want. I stood down, uh, to be perfectly clear, because it was too much work. Um, but yeah, look, you have to have someone in there that's basically going to, they're going to be responsible for overseeing all the league operations. Um, that generally means keeping spreadsheets, keeping tabs on all the trades, reviewing finances. all the trades, finances, finding people mm-hmm. for doing the wrong thing if you're depending on the league you play on as well. Um, so it's a pretty demanding job and nothing's worse than if you state someone who's probably not committed. The league will just fall by the wayside yep. if you don't have someone in that role that is super committed. So it's really, really important that you get this right. They also need a very, very strong backbone they because need to they've rule. got to make tough decisions. Yep. They need to absolutely rule with an iron fist. That is a pre requisite of a good commissioner that's for sure Uh, another thing would be to choose your league mates wisely now nothing's worse than starting a keeper league and we've had this happen to us you get two three years in and someone wants to quit Mm -hmm. and you have to find a new coach to replace them that means you have to find someone who's as dedicated as at fantasy as you are and all your mates are but also the other big issue is that if someone's not really keen on playing in the keeper league anymore they've probably neglected their team for a few years or Mm -hmm. made some shocking draft decisions because they're not keeping up the game as much and it makes it a really hard sell to give that team to someone else so that's super important thing today uh, to actually take note of and make sure you get your league mates right you choose them wisely yeah now i think our league's been running for about eight years half our yeah. home league now i think in that time we've had four guys leave out of a, a 12 uh, team league which is fine you know people have their different commitments in life etc yep um but it just means that the commissioner or the other guys in the group have to make sure that they're vetting the new coach um, you know, to make sure that they're as uh, keen as we are, I suppose. So, yep. it always helps if your league's been going around for a bit and it's a pretty hot league and a pretty enviable league that you can always get a, a pretty committed fantasy coach. And, and the guys who brought in have been very, very good. So, yeah. just keep that in mind that it's always good to have, maybe if you've got a league of 12, that there's always that 13th or 14th who are always just sniffing around each year, just, you know, wanting to make sure that they're in your league as well. Yeah. So, make sure you've got some reserves in the bank as well. So, that could be another good tip we might get it to later is just not... Um, Sometimes you, it's better to go less coaches, more mm-hmm. committed coaches than yes. the, the number of teams Correct. as well. But an, another big tip as well is um, settle the rules and settings early and just make sure everyone is aware. We've had that many times where someone wasn't aware of a rule and they cracked the shits over something mm-hmm. or they've found a loophole in those rules as well that yes. they've been able to exploit. Um, just and get like everyone that. offside. Yeah, exactly. So just make sure that you've set all the rules and you've got everything planned out. Planned out. Um, quite often it's kind of good to have a, a document somewhere with all these rules um, you know, written in there and uh, yeah, that could help out as well. 
Look, and we're not perfect. I think in our first year, our league actually made the mistake of not actually setting in stone how many keepers we had to keep Big for the mistake. next season. So, you know, we draft a, a squad of 32 and I think we went into that preseason not even knowing if we were going to keep 10, 20 yeah. or kept all 32, you know. We ended up keeping 16, but, you know, it kind of put a few people offside because they draft for particular reasons. And then, you know, you've got to throw, you know, half of your field back in the pool when you don't really want to. And yeah. it, so just make sure all these just basic rules, even though they might seem so dumb and so basic, just put them in writing and that everyone is aware of. Yep. All right. So next question, Hef. What are some suggested settings for keeper leagues that work well? I think um, squad sizes is a big one. Mm-hmm. So um, I reckon anywhere between 30 and 40 is a good call, um, no matter how you, you kind of play as well, whether it be um, you keep half your uh, half your list or you only delist three or four. I think 30 yeah. to 40 kind of emulate what a, um AFL list is. Yeah, I think that number's perfect. In our home league, we have 32 and we put 16 back in and it's a yep. bit tighter, but in the, the podcasters league we run, we keep 40, put 20 back in. So you can be a bit more... Um, so we play with bit, 40, we, we keep 20. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But you can be a bit more um, thinking long-term in your strategy when you keep more because you can probably draft a few more rookies, et cetera, because you've got a few more spots you can hold. Yep. You know, so it really depends on the on what you want to set um, and when you want to go from, from there. Yep. Uh, another thing would be to just start with a snake draft mm-hmm. so it's fair for all. Correct. Um, if you have a linear draft to start off with, um, basically one team is going to be so much stronger than the rest and it won't be fun for a long time to play. So snake draft to start off with, but a good option I think after that you do a linear draft whereas the team that finished bottom gets first crack to kind of build their side up as well. I think that's a really good um, plan to go with. The other thing is is you got to choose whether you have waivers on or mm-hmm. off as yep. well. So I don't think, I know this is supposed to be recommended settings, but I don't think there's a right or wrong answer it just depends what you want so whether you have waivers off which means you can't once you've done your draft your team is set and your squads are set and that way you can't pick off players off the waiver wire I really like this because it leaves players for the next year's draft mm-hmm. there's always a few players that get missed and stuff and that actually leaves some talent you know if who's ever got the number one draft pick for the following year actually has a juicy target to actually grab yeah. with that um, otherwise all the kind of waivers all the good juicy young players and stuff like that get picked up just by who's the quickest on the waiver wire so plus having the waiver wire on you know if a coach isn't always committed you know and they're not thinking about who they can pick up off the waiver wire you know it's pretty easy for their team to fall by the wayside quickly for them to lose interest yep. or at least if you've locked your waivers um you know their team is set it's strong you know a couple of years ago i think uh, no one drafted alex Withard in in one of the the leagues and then the next year you know he was number one draft pick because yep. you know he'd come off that really hot year at brisbane and, and was playing well so that's the good um thing about having the waivers locked is that there will be some diamonds in the rough who fall through and it does kind of help the teams who finish lower down the order get a crack at some good established plays in that following year. Yep, agree 100%. But look, if you have the waivers on, there's no right or wrong. Yeah. It's just that I reckon, in at least in redraft leagues I've played, the team that wins the premiership is generally the team that's hottest on the waiver wire and has the time to actually invest into that. So, you know, you could make the argument that they should just make the time and invest yeah. in the waiver wire. But you've got to really decide what you want for your league and what's going to work best for the coaches you've got. All right, let's move on. Yeah, so what are some strategies for your first draft? So I'll talk about the big picture overall stuff here, the macro stuff, if you will. So um, look, you need to decide on what strategy you're going to go for. So there's a few different ways that you can go about this. So the first one we just call draft normally. So what this means is you just pick the best scorers available at every pick. You contend for the flag in the first year and you worry about the future later because you got to realize that while it seems like, you know, if you're just starting up a new keep league, you want to draft all these players for the future, someone's got to win the first premiership. Mm-hmm. So why not be you? Um, so a genuine strategy that people 
sometimes go with is just pick who cares about the future. Let's try to win the first year, get a flag under the belt, monkey off the back, and we'll worry about the future later. So yeah, that's a that's a strategy. Do you have anything to add to that? Look, obviously someone has to win. That's not really a strategy that I love. I like to kind of have both the the past, the present, and the future in mind. But um, if you can balance it out, if you are just picking the best player, if you can balance it out with some old and new, you could actually put your side in contention for a long period of time um, straight up from season one. But the good thing about this is sometimes everyone is so future-focused that guys slip. So, for example, our podcast is there. We started two years ago. Josh Kennedy from the Sydney Swans went in round 16, pick 154 to me. He went on to average both 100 in 2019 and 2020. So, you know, people just go, oh, Oh, JPK, aging, don't worry about him. But he's around at the 154th pick. That's crazy. So, yeah. always be aware, even if you are drafting for the future, that some of these guys will slip and uh, could become genuine draft bargains. So, the next uh, strategy ties into that, I guess, as well. So, yeah, picking players that are in their prime. Um, so, these are players that are aged 24 to 27, basically in the prime of their career. So, um, that seems to be the most common strategy I find is people don't want to pick up people over that age because they might not have, you know, 28's all right, but then you get in 29, 30. Um, they're getting towards retirement edge and it's only one injury away or um, a, a drop off in form yep. could see them uh, out of your side. So, people tend to go for in their prime, um, players aged 24 to say 28. Um, um, and that's the main makeup of their side. So that is another um, decent strategy. And yeah. So this is probably the strategy that me and Hef both um, selected in the Podcasters League draft a couple of years ago. So and I'll just add to that. I didn't yeah. actually do that. I just picked the best available. It just turned out just to be that well. that's the way it happened. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was my strategy. Yeah, so yeah. I'll go through my top 10 picks from that draft, right? So this was a couple of years ago. Keep in mind. So at the age of drafting, Steve Cornelio, pick one, he was 25. Lockie Whitfield, pick two, he was 24. Lockie Hunter, pick three, he was 24. Jack Steele, pick four, he was 23. Now, we've got Jared Witts at 26. Connor Blakely mm. at 22. Bryce Gibbs, 29 years of age. Um, obviously, he was in his prime. I thought that was a bit of a bargain pick there. Uh, Jack Martin, he was 23. James Warple was 20 and Hugh McLuggage was 20. So, my top 10 picks had an average age of 24 and that included a guy who was 29 in there. Yeah. So, mine were, I'm not going to read through mine, but mine were quite similar. Mine ended up with an average of 25, but I did pick up a 30 plus in there with Shannon Hearn in there because defenders were just scarce at the time and mm -hmm. I figured get a defender in that's going to score well so you can actually can compete early. So, it's a good thing for both of those things because Hef won the first year drafting to win a flag. I didn't actually. And he did. No, I've won, I've made the grand final two years in a row, oh. but I've lost both of them. So, yeah. Well, I won last yeah, year with yeah. my sweet Beat strategy. Me. So, Beat me last year. Um, so, it does work. So, But, you know, you're contending from from two years in a row from just picking the best players there. So, yeah, yeah. a couple of guys in that league went a bit more youth-oriented and uh, look, fair to say they've struggled a bit the last couple I'm of years. I'm a bit worried about next year because a few of my old guys are really going to fall off the cliff, but we'll worry about that when it comes to trade period time. But, yeah, the third strategy some people go by is just picking up young guns. They just draft all the best kids from that draft or, the you know, every every player they pick is under, th under 20 mm -hmm. type thing or under 22 and... And um, hope they develop into good fantasy players. But history tells us the best young players at fantasy don't always develop to be the best fantasy players in the actual AFL level. So, it's a really tough strategy. One that we probably don't recommend. But if you just love the idea of having a team full of kids and then one day having a superstar lineup, go for it. Look, I think if you're really buying into that uh, long-term look and you think you're going to be involved in this keeper league, you know, um, super, super deep for a long period of time, go for it. But you still want to win some games. Otherwise, you know, what's the point of playing? So, yep. um, I think either a mix of the first two options is the best way to go about drafting. Just delving into those kind of big picture, those three big strategies. These are some, I guess, some micro things. So, some smaller 
things to think about that are probably, um, you know, they probably ring true in all the strategies. But um, look, the first one is just captain option. You draft it first. So if you're not playing captains, you can skip that step. But you always want to make sure you've got someone that you're happy to put the C on each week because they can make or break games having a decent captain option. Uh, the next thing would be just keep age in mind whenever you're drafting. Just always think about how they are. And that doesn't mean don't take them if they're old. It just means think about where they might be in a couple of years and how that's going to affect the makeup of the players that you've already drafted um, if they do retire or do go downhill soon. Um, the next one for me is uh, just monitor who's been taken and who's left mm-hmm. and just be thinking who might be available in the next round. What's the likelihood of a player being taken before my next pick? How badly do I want them? All that sort of stuff. Um, the next one's on rucks. If you don't get uh, one of Grundy or Gorn. Or my, Tim English. <laughs> Tim English. Okay, he's a big fan of Tim English. <laughs> um, my advice would be to leave rucks late mm-hmm. um, because you're going to, if you've, say you've got 10 teams, you'll get one of the top 10 where you should because people generally draft one ruck. Then they'll take the handcuff, like, which is the backup ruck later. Um, so they'll play if the main ruck's injured. And then um, we'll talk about that sort of stuff later. But uh, yeah, if you don't, can't get one of those two early, it's probably best to leave the rucks late because people might jump on rucks, but then you'll be capitalizing on value in probably the backs and the forwards where there's probably more of a scarcity there. The rucks after the top three and I say, and the reason why I only go top two is because Goldstein's probably three, but he doesn't have much longer left. Um, from there, there's not, there's a, there's a there's pretty even spread. Yeah. You know, there's only probably 10 points between the next mm-hmm. 10, um, 10 ruckmen. So yep. you can probably leave them a little bit later. Um, the other thing would be like don't neglect positions. So prioritize backs and forwards as well. So don't just go through and pick up all your gun midfielders to start off with because there'll be plenty available early. Mm-hmm. But you'll notice if you do that, you have no good backs and no good forwards. So when people are picking up, um, you've picked up say a hundred average midfielder at the start. Someone else has picked up a ninety average back. But when you go to pick up back, a uh, back, you're picking up someone who's averaging fifty. Mm-hmm. So there's a forty point difference between their backman and their um, theirs. Um, and the other team's backman. But also, then if you look at the midfield, there's not even going to be that much difference in the midfield players you've picked because the midfield seemed to stick around for longer in terms of fantasy scoring. So. Yeah. And like, if you've got someone, if you um, prioritise a, a back and a forward for, you know, who you know he's going to be good for a long period of time, e.g. a Jake Lloyd, you know, you've got one of the best defenders or inverse the best forwards for, you know, the rest of the next five years or something like that. Yeah. So they're always great to have them as a as a bankable player and yeah. then you can build the rest of your forward order for that that key kind of um, defensive Just ex- Oh, sorry. Just yeah. expanding on that just a little bit. This is kind of like something that I do is if I'm doing a draft for the first time, I kind of look at my opposition and see what they've drafted and see if there's any line that no one else has capitalized on. So if someone's got a really strong midfield and strong forward, then maybe target a few backs because then you'll get the upper hand in that position. Um, and I always look compare line by line. It's kind of a strategy that I sort of use. Compare line by line and try to get the upper hand in certain areas. Um, it's definitely a, a thing to look at. Um, but the last kind of tip is just capitalize on value. So this is Josh Kennedy was a great example before. Um, if people have neglected oh, this, so I guess on that one, if someone has slid later in the draft because people are um, people are um, want to go younger players, don't be scared to just jump on someone that you know is going to be a gun, no matter if they don't fit into the age and stuff like that. But Often as well, yeah, people have neglected forwards or backs early, which often happens. Um, you'll be able to just pick up good mids later in the draft as yep. well, which is that example is perfect for that. So um, mids seem to kind of stick around longer. There seems to be more guys who go around, you know, the high 80s, low 90s mark for longer than, say, your top defenders. After your top kind of eight, it falls away pretty steeply in defenders and forwards. So it's just something to think about in the terms of, um, yeah, positions there. Um 
That's pretty much all our tips so far. Before we move on, we've got some listener suggestions coming up. Um, we put it out to our listeners on the socials to see um, basically what their tips would be. But um, yeah, basically, if you enjoy listening to the podcast or you get a lot of good information out of it, uh, we have a membership program um, that goes on. So if you want to head to keeperleaguepod.com.au, sign up as a member. We've got some great resources. We'll be doing Keeper League rankings. We've got all the drafty fantasy scores up on our website. Um, and we've got this tool called the Breakout Tracker that allows you to compare any player or any early career player to the top players in the competition at the same point in their careers, tracks their career averages and kind of maps it out for you to show you how um, these guys compare to the best in the competition. So if you're keen, keeperleaguepod.com.au, check it out. And our rankings are very specific to keeper leagues. Yep. So it's not about, you know, who's the top 50 in order of backs. Yep. Lots of people do that. That's cool. And then a lot of it think about the terms of scoring for the upcoming season. Ours yeah. are different. But we also think about who's going to be good in the future, who's going to keep their position for the future. Yeah. So a bit more, um, yeah, a bit more of a thought into actual keeper leagues as opposed to just a, a regular draft ranking. For sure. All right. So I mentioned it before. We put out to listeners, what advice would you give to people who are new to keeper leagues and are starting a league this season? So that's on our socials, keeper league pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, if you want to join in the conversation ever there, that's where we're at. But uh, here's what our listeners have come up with. So, uh, at Adza 08 Elf has given us a very detailed um, description of what he does, but he, these are his tips. Um, rank players into tier by position and age. Mm-hmm. So, have tiers. So, tiers, if we talk about that, is um, you kind of, we, it kind of aligns with what where you're happy to take a player. So, you might have tiers of 10 and these are the top 10 players in the comp. Then you have a tier two that might go down to the next level. So, basically, you know, elites, fillers, up-and-coming rookies and yep. people you probably don't want to touch or something like that. You have kind of tiers like that that kind of um, work that way. And then, yeah, arrange them by age as well so you're, you're, you know what their actually age is when you're drafting because you never know. You might draft someone that you think is a lot younger than they are or you, they might be a bit older than you think they are and you might pass on them as well. So that's another thing to think about. But, um, yeah, determine draft strategy based on squad sizes, field setup, um, one rucks or two rucks. That's mm-hmm. a big one. Um, if you play two rucks, that's brutal um, and I feel sorry for you. But uh, <laughs> some there's many leagues out there that do it and I feel they're pain but anyway um yeah start runs on positions where possible so a run we better explain that so a run is when um say someone takes a defender the next person takes a defender everyone rushes to take defenders because they're worried that um they're worried that there's going to be no none of that position left or no premiums that division left um, position left so if that happens if you start the run you can capitalize elsewhere where everyone's kind of picking off that carcass mm-hmm. i guess so that's yep. a, a good tip so try to start runs where you can by maybe um taking a couple defenders in a row or something like that which i'm prone to doing or a couple forwards this year I keep saying defenders because defenders are usually defenders the hardest always been premium now but I, reckon just it's, a I reckon it's forwards yeah. yeah forwards are the harder ones now um his other tip was also know the depth chart at each club as it generally forms as part of the best um, overall per position. So, a lot of the time, like if there's a good defender, like, let's take Jake Lloyd, for example, at um, Sydney, there's not too many defenders below him that fan- score fantasy well. I know Jordan Dawson's up and coming, Callum but he Mills, runs around Callum 10. Mills as well. But prior to last year, there wasn't many that actually move around him. Um, and then you saw someone like Sam Doherty, who was such a gun before he got injured. He's come back to probably two or three other good scoring defenders as well, which has probably brought him back down as well. So, um, yeah, just another thing to think about as well. Next, Next one is from at Wonchorm. Eight. Uh, he says, pretty simply, quality over quantity when it comes to coaches. So, he's obviously you know, belongs to a league that's been burnt by people leaving 
Um, so, but it's not even necessarily about leaving. It's about um, you know quality in terms neglect. of yeah, but like in terms <laughs> of like um, you know we love our league because it's um, super super buoyant on the WhatsApp threads, you know, yeah, through Google chats, through Google chats, that kind of thing. So like we're all good mates, which obviously helps, but um, we're also pretty fiercely competitive, and we love to you know get involved whether it's writing fake articles or you know um, you know trade trade lists or that kind of thing so we're pretty keen so if you've got guys who are pretty like-minded um really keen for the the um the competition then i think that's really really good um power rankings was another good article that used to come out weekly that was a good one so little things like that that kind of you know if you've got quality coaches you'll get all this sort of stuff happening it kind of brings on its culture of its own which is great um at ttq03 drafting rookies is not the ultimate key um most young kids are picked up through waivers or trades so we touched on that earlier but it's just good to hear a uh, listener reaffirm what we think um at dual premier says just don't do it reduce stress so don't start a key for league uh, it is stressful because like you have a group chat going bonkers every day when you're trying to get work done you have trade offers coming through players getting injured um training uh, at training midweek all that sort of stuff and you'll be playing with diehard, so there's generally a lot of emotion involved. Maybe a bit too much well. emotion. I think so. I like to, I've been trying to shut off the group chat, at least in the off-season uh, recently because, um, yeah, you do. it does wind you up a bit every now and then. So that's a pretty good tip. If you're not, if you don't cope with stress well, maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We need, we're supposed to be selling this thing here. But anyway, uh, next tip, case. Yeah, at Dankov24, don't be afraid to go early on your boys. Yeah. Uh, a tip I really do like because, um, you know, for example, you're super keen on, I don't know, uh, James Rowbottom for me, you know, like, yeah, probably I shouldn't have drafted him as early as I did, but I reckon he's going to be a gun. So I went a little bit earlier than I needed to, because if you've got a guy who you think will be your boy coming up or a guy that you're keen on, or you think he's going to go bananas at some stage in their career, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking a pick or two early because end of the day, it's all going to even itself out. Because if you pick someone else a little bit early, maybe that might even start a run on someone else taking their kind of guys that they like because they go, oh, I know Kays likes robot. I better go. I better go take Dawson or someone like that. So, um, it can just kind of have a fun way of it's working itself out. But yeah, if you've got a guy you're keen on, don't be too afraid to take him. Obviously within reason, but, um, yeah, get your, get your team full of your boys. I think also if you, um, if you really like, um, your team, you're going to enjoy the game more as well mm-hmm. and you'll find you'll find players that you draft if they have a few good games in a row that you weren't quite so sure on before but if they're in your team you'll learn to love them as yep. well Liam Duggan yeah yeah players like uh, Jordan Dawson as well Ben so. Keys obviously yep. as well <laughs> got a few boys on the podcast yeah. um, at Dan K 101 um, go for a good mix of proven scorers and elite young talent also when doing your startup keep a draft go early if there's a player you really want so echoes the last one um, better to go one or two rounds early on a player you rate highly than miss all together when someone else takes him so yeah really good tips there um otls archie um he says back in your research don't trade for the sake of trading that's crap archie trading makes the game fun some people just love they finally find the fun of the game and actually trading they just you have a short attention span and you can't uh you can't settle on your team and wait trading but uh those investors out there that like waiting on their team and uh you know just you know backing their calls and being patient uh we we don't really like trading as much I think back in your research is a good one because, you know, yeah. like um, there's so many kind of platforms that put out particular ranks or research or whatever, or even in their own league, like everyone would do their separate research ahead of the draft. But like if you're keen on a guy that you think is got potential, like you go for it, you know, yeah. like, you know, someone like, I don't know, James Warple a couple of years ago for you, Hef, who's become one of your boys. Yep. You know, a lot of people necessarily didn't see him coming because they didn't go as deep into the research as you did. You backed it in and it kind of paid off, you know. So yep. um, just because someone has an idea that's not – 
what you think or vice versa, doesn't mean you shouldn't not draft them because of that. So back in, back in your research, I'm a big one on that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that fourth year breakout says learn Why your league. It's third year breakout. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, at, th- at fourth year breakout is the Twitter handle of the <laughs> yeah. case. Um, Sorry, learn your so. league's rules. Uh, Captain Loophole is a big one. So yeah, the Captain Loophole is very different to classic. And I guess we saw a bit of a change last year with the change to the uh, the, uh, the formats of the, the rounds. Now they were every night of the week we had games going on, but it's different to classic. Um, you can either choose between the first game of the round so you lock out then the first Saturday game. Um, so that way you've got Friday and Saturday. The f- uh, sorry, if you got sorry, if there's a Thursday night game, you've got Thursdays and Fridays um, to actually uh, lock out. Which is oh sorry to actually you know vice captain loophole that sort of stuff before the lockout. Or you can go with a rolling lockout. So some people you know assume they're running with a rolling lockout, and then all of a sudden it's uh, the first game of the week yeah. they're locked out and they haven't set their team yet and things like that. So I'm assuming that's what's happened here. So just make sure you learn the um, the uh, the loophole, the captain loophole rules in the way it works. So. Um, at Daniel Warren 08 has got always think of the future simple but effective there and at Legless Simo says draft to win the first season people will be hesitant to go for it just bank a win early and I think it is a good it is good advice like it probably takes the fun out of it a little bit because you, you want it if you're playing this you're probably into that list management and you want to develop a side but someone in your league is going to do it someone in your league is just going to pick a team to win that first year they're not going to care about the future and generally you'll have a cash prize or something for your flag winner and they'll take it out and they'll be proud as punch and they'll be happy plus they'll have bragging rights for the whole year so it's something to think about it definitely depends on the way you want to play it but someone will do it and um, yeah it's it's worth doing if you just want to win Mm-hmm. I suppose the last tip, I suppose, it's not from uh, a listener, it's from me. Um, so I think the big thing about draft um, nights in general, whether it's keeper legs or just draft draft uh, legs in general, make a big night out of your draft night each year. Make sure that that's the, the time that everyone is either in the same room or if you're around Australia, everyone's streaming at the same time. You know, beers, barbecue. Um, we've had some pictures coming through of, um, you know, keeper legs who are, like balls deep in merch in terms of their teams, you know, team squads. Guernsey's you know, they, made up, exactly, polos, they go the, They go the full thing, do like yeah. uh, press conferences for YouTube, put together clips of their side. Like that stuff really puts towards the culture of the, the league, yeah. uh, makes it so more enjoyable because someone always wants to um, impress their mates in terms of what they've created or done. I think at the heart, everyone wants to be like, everyone has a childhood dream of being an AFL player or a coach or something like that. And you yeah. kind of, we're grown adults, but we kind of we you kind of live this kind of fantasy um, life in this kind of thing, and it's kind of just everyone's inner child to come out and kind of you know fulfill somewhat of your childhood dream of being an AFL star or an AFL coach, and um, you make it as serious and you know much like a real draft night as possible. I think as well, um, yeah, it's great fun, good fun to play, and yeah, definitely once you get the culture going, your draft nights become one of the best nights of the year. Um, some people have a few too many beers and uh, draft either poorly <laughs> or make it real, ask themselves or trash, some- trash your mates. Place. <laughs> We've got some guys who have some good history. Hef has a history of that too. But uh, I suppose the the thing with uh, and draft nights as well, and, and just keeper leagues in general. You know, your first year's draft might seem a little bit normal as opposed as um, in terms of being like a regular year to year draft night. Yeah. But it's that next year where you kind of the most important player to draft might be Liam Duggan or Jackson Nelson or yeah. Ben Keys or something. Puts like, the focus on players that you never, that you thought, never would, thought you'd necessarily yeah. be that keen on or that like committed to. Yeah. Um, and it just gives that whole thing a bit of an extra layer of complexity and uh, for me enjoyment because, um, you know, you're talking about guys who don't necessarily get um, all the credit or that they probably deserve. And then when you go to the footy games and you're cheering on, you know, yeah. some guy that everyone's going, oh man, Brody Grundy's going nuts, but you're going, oh, John Noble's had 20 touches. Like how good is that? <laughs> so it's just, it's a completely different way of thinking about 
up footy. Uh, it's really, really a lot of fun. And um, yeah, keep listening to us for some more tips and um, we'll try and help you along the way this year in 2021. All right, that brings us to an end of this bonus episode, uh, Keeper Leagues 101. So if you like what you heard um, and you haven't, you aren't already following us, uh, check us out on uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram uh, at Keeper League Pod on all of those platforms and we'll be providing you with more Keeper League specific uh, fantasy tips, tricks, advice and content uh, throughout the year. So mm-hmm. yeah, cheers for listening and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. See you guys.